the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another edition of Sideline Sanity. I'm Michelle Tafoya. We are sponsored by Legacy Precious Metals. There has never been a better time to invest in precious metals. Go to LegacyPMInvestments.com. LegacyPMInvestments.com. We thank them for their continued support. You're about to meet someone who's never done a podcast before. He uh, told me that this is the first podcast he has accepted to be a guest on. His name is Dom Luker. He is the founder of Credit Cadabra. He's a veteran. He is part of the, uh, he featured on the New York Times 40 under 40. This guy's no, no slouch. He's very, very interesting. I'm going to leave you with that and tell you that you need to listen to this. This is one of the more interesting, honest, straightforward conversations I've had in a long time. If you know who Dom Luker is, then you're probably one of his followers on Twitter at Dom underscore Luker, L-U-C-R-E. If you don't know who he is, chances are you may someday. He's a self-proclaimed guy with a brand, expelled from the world of hip hop. You'll love the reason he got into hip hop in the first place. This this one's unique, folks. This one's unique. Stay tuned. For nearly three decades, she's reported the action from the sidelines. She started very young. She's covered the NBA, NFL, Olympics, and the college football and basketball national championships. And now, during these insane times in our world, Michelle Tafoya thinks we need a serious dose of sanity. This is Sideline Sanity with your host, one of the sanest people on planet Earth, Michelle Tafoya. Dom Luker, thanks for coming to Sideline Sanity. I appreciate it. How are you? Doing good. How about yourself? I am doing great. It's nice to meet you. You and I are meeting for the first time. I've, I've followed you on Twitter, as do over 60,000 other people follow you on Twitter. But your background is interesting to me. And I, I just, I'm going to reread what I read in the opening segment. Our culture is the problem. We will never progress if we murder everyone that does. Jack Harlow, BTS, and Bad Bunny don't have to worry about checking in having ops, and getting finessed. It has been said countless times, and I will add to the count, the black community is sick, and we are the solution. That is what is posted on your Twitter page, your homepage. What moves you about that statement? What is it about that that drives you every day? Um, well, it's, it's my own, and I made it actually, I made a statement after the passing of Takeoff, the rapper, and it's just to me, it's like, you know, I'm staying in Nashville. I stay in downtown Nashville and I also lived in Atlanta. I was in hip hop for about five years prior to even being in politics. And just from my perspective of both cities, 
way more gun violence in terms of like the hip hop culture. And you don't see country stars getting shot from whatever it is, from the allegations of being a dice gang, whatever have you. It's not even in the culture. I don't see people down here in Nashville, country celebrities rolling dice, shooting at each other if it don't go right or placing bets or even doing any type of culture that really endangers their life. So it really just drove me to, you know, kind of address that, that it's only in our culture, only really in hip hop culture that you're seeing this, that these people are having these problems. What do you think is the genesis of it? Like what, what started that? What is it about hip hop culture that, that sort of gave birth to this, this, this violence, if you will? There was a transition in the nineties. People notice. I'd say during like Tupac era, when Tupac first started, he wasn't really a gangster rapper, but it started to be really profitable if you create a school to prison pipeline and hip hop started getting specific partnerships with private prisons and they start profiting from encouraging the youth to get incarcerated. So you start. To hold on, hold on. I want to make sure I understand this because what you're saying is breathtaking to me. You're saying hip hop got into. Go ahead. Like label owners, Universal, Interscope, and things such as Sony and Warner Brothers. Like, they have partnerships with private prisons. Really? Yes, they actually get funded. So there was actually a meeting done in the 90s, and you can fact check this and look this up. And there's plenty of celebrities that even was present at the meeting that they get paid with specific capacity in prisons. So the, 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 the record labels are paying the prisons? Not paying the prisons. No, it's the other way around. The prisons are paying the record labels. Yeah, the record owners, yeah. Okay. And it's been it, going on since the 90s. There was a transition from hip-hop. Hip-hop actually was very poetic. Yes. Poetic. I loved old hip-hop, man. I just loved it. Yeah, it was very poetic. And you'll see the transition. They, I don't know if it was like 1991, 92, but the same year when the alleged meeting happened, you see Tupac got a thug life tattoo and you start seeing a lot of representation from just being a thug itself. They was personifying what a thug was and to be tough, you had to be a thug. And they started that with Tupac. It was like the formula and they copied and pasted and continued it. After a while, it became the culture to be cool and be accepted and being black. You had to be a thug. Now being black is synonymous with crime. We're going to see a lot of criminals. So how did you decide to leave that hip hop world was, you know, to, to make this move away from it? It kind of forced it. I, uh, in 2020 during the election, I've always been conservative. Um, my mom was conservative and my dad was liberal and I chose to take out the, my mom at six years old, <laughs> but I've stayed under radar, you know, of course to stay within hip hop and not to really offend nobody. I stayed under radar. But it wasn't until the 2020 election, I made a post just on Facebook saying we need Rudy Giuliani after the votes kind of transitioned from Donald Trump to Biden. And I was just like, I feel like something fishy could be going on. And from that, I pretty much was expelled. Like, just speaking on that alone, it led to one thing to another. And here I am. But just really making one post, just saying, hey, what's going on with the 2020 election? And that was pretty much it for my hip hop career. Wow. What this has me very curious. What was it like to be that conservative, knowing that you were, but couldn't show it? And you're amongst uh, you're in this world, in this industry that is anything but conservative, and you've got to hide it. 
How was that for you? You would think it would be very hard, but behind, oh, wow. I cannot believe my cat really. <laughs> I love it. I love oh, it. Yeah. What's the cat's <laughs> so, name? Seti. His name is Seti. We got to know that before, you know, because now we've seen Seti. So, yeah, all right. Yeah, all right. You'd think it would be oh, hard yeah. to survive in hip hop as a conservative, I feel, but. Mm. Yeah, it's not because behind closed doors, a lot of people really are conservative. So even rappers, producers, et cetera, they value their importance. They value their gun rights. All of them, they talk about having their protection. They value having their family, family traditions, putting their children in schools. They value protection, family first. Um, most of them have the same values as conservatives. They don't really even share ideologies with liberals from what I've seen in hip hop. So when you're talking with these people, you have the same dreams as them. You have the same aspirations. It's only red and blue when people identify who they are, really. But when you don't have a title in front of it, you're very similar. So it wasn't that hard really to, you know, exist in it because you don't talk politics and hip hop, period. Yeah. You just talk regular life and regular life we all could agree on. Wow. So this this kind of gang uh, rap, this thug rap, I don't know if I'm using the right terminology, forgive me, because I'm just stupid but or ignorant <laughs> of it, but... It, it really became profitable. Clearly, it became a moneymaker, right? Yes, it definitely is. Um, it became a product. And you can see that hip-hop did try to transition away from it. When? During times like Lil Uzi Vert, Lil Pump, and things like that. But we see they transitioned back to hip-hop. And right now, we see more incarcerations and deaths than ever in hip-hop when the transition went back. So it just shows the results of that. If you... Well, look, compare the amount of people that's being incarcerated now to 2013 or even being murdered. It's a dramatic difference because the people in hip hop are actually living that lifestyle. So they started integrating those people back in. And you see our crime rates are starting to actually reflect that as they are starting to rise. Aren't they afraid? I mean, isn't it? Don't they feel endangered or do they feel just invincible? Mm -hmm. I'll probably say the latter. Yeah. I mean, it's it's scary stuff and it's sad. It's really sad. Some valuable lives have been lost. And I mean, any life lost, really, uh, who isn't. Uh, well, we don't have to get into the comparison of that. But mm -hmm. OK, so you now you're you've been expelled, as you put it, from the rap community. So so you find yourself in Nashville and you see that th th this is not the case at all in country music. Yeah. Um, so are you drawn a little bit toward that country lifestyle? Well, be completely honest, I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm still not drawing the country. I'm a, a veteran, so I've always had to like support country music and listen to it on the bus, especially during basic. But <laughs> I just, I'm a, one thing about me and my brand. I'm completely honest, and no, I just I don't really identify with it, and I think that's the main reason why I can gravitate to so many black people because my truth. I still gravitate towards like a hip hop culture and community. That's what I was raised around. I came from very humble again. It's not that easy to break it. I still listen to Drake. I still listen to these things. Is it wrong? Yeah. But it's all I knew. It's not really easy to make that transition. And honestly, it's a lot easier to talk to someone that if you want to make them vote red, if you can identify with something they identify, it's a lot easier to infiltrate, integrate and separate than just trying to separate from the get go. So let's go back to when you're six and you decide to adopt your mom's way of her worldview. And as you're growing up that way, but still, you know, as you said, your dad, a liberal, 
what sort of key things happened in your life to continue sort of that the support of the conservative side and and end up becoming, you know, as you said, you served? Mm-hmm. Well, it was during the Bush and Al Gore election, actually. My mom had voted for Bush and my dad voted for Gore. And I asked her specifically, why did you vote for Bush? And it was a pretty extensive answer. She was just saying, you know, it's time for a change. And her main thing was that Bush and the conservative party reflected, you know, the party of Christ because she was a very heavy Christian. Mm-hmm. And she was just naming how Democrats was taking prayer out of school and a lot of things and Christ out of Christmas. And I was asking my dad why he voted Democrat. And he said, well, that's just because of what black people do. So, you know, I just compared those two answers at that time and chose yeah. to side with my mom. And through life, I was getting so many like validations that it was the right choice. Just growing up, I was able to see just, you know, the negatives of living a liberal um, lifestyle. What, what, what was, go ahead. You were about to cite some examples. Like any of the cities I've been to, any of the cities that was like liberal heavy, I was able to see like Detroit, Atlanta, um, you know, Los Angeles, any of them that's liberal heavy, even in red states. If you see the blue city, the crime is unbelievable. The crime in the culture is just unbelievable, uh, even all the way down to New York. So experiencing these things growing up and able to compare them to South Carolina when I was growing up, it wasn't perfect. Yeah, they had crime. and Yeah, they had drugs. But in comparison to the quantity of it, it, it just wasn't. It was no comparison. And so I was able to learn that policies had a lot to do with my environment at an early age. Did you have many friends who felt the same way you did or that you could talk to about it? Oh, not at all. No, yeah. not at all. No. I what about when, and then you entered the armed services, which branch? Forgive me. Army. Army. I entered the army. I went to basic training. I think it was nine days exactly after I graduated high school. So they had me to go as soon as I graduated. And so what just, was that experience? How formative was it for you and your worldview? It was, it was empowering. It definitely changed the way and my perspective on a lot of things. It it really did. It changed my perspective on a lot. I'll never forget. I'll say growing up, there was a lot of prejudice in the little country town of South Carolina that I stayed in. And I don't really like to use the term racism. And I know people would just hate that because to me, racism is you're being limited because of your race. Mm-hmm. Prejudice, I've seen a lot of prejudice, but I've never been limited or my family's never been limited to our race in South Carolina. So it did allow me to grow up with just a type of distorted view that white people might have not trusted me because I was black or might have just thought that I could have been a criminal because I'm black. I actually started to believe that. I went in the army and man, after I finished basic training, I had my uniform on for the first time and they sent me down to AIT uh, in Fort Sam Houston in Texas. And I'll never forget when I got to that airport in Texas, how many people just came up to me and just how much love Texas was. Cause you know, there was so much propaganda of what Texas was like and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. It's supposed to be like the conservative landmine and never in my life have I seen the amount of love and support I did for those Texans. Ever since then I fell in love with just the culture of Texas and Texans. They were so loving. I mean, God, almost every other person wanted to buy me and everyone around us a drink. Yeah. Yeah. It was just, it was amazing. It changed my perspective. And I was like, man, it, you really have to go and see it for yourself. 
You really have to see it for yourself. Don't listen to anyone else's perception, uh, perception, especially if it's online. You have to go live. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true about a lot of things online. So I guess that begs the question, why not stay in Texas? I just felt like God was mm, – I felt like he called me somewhere, and that was only AIT. So that was just kind of like – that's similar to college for the Army. After that, they sent me to Fort Bragg. So I okay. was there for okay. the remainder of my uh, – my term after that that's when i transitioned to hip-hop so i moved to atlanta okay so you wouldn't be able to do much in hip-hop in texas in comparison to Atlanta. <laughs> well that's a, that's true that i and and you know <laughs> given all of this that you got there you have such an interesting background so you you come out of the armed service you come out of the army and you go to hip-hop now i would imagine that that's a, a really cool industry and a lot of fun and uh, that that's what drew you in. Are you, are, is that the case? Is that what brought you there? Just the, the opportunity, the fun, the lifestyle, what, what drew you? Um, I was actually a uh, vice president of a label. So I didn't never do music. I was never a musician, just okay. always been behind the scenes in business. I just really want to get super duper rich. I just love that honesty. I love it. Yeah. That's why I'm yeah. laughing. It's just, you don't I hear that care. kind of honesty every day. Yeah, I don't care. I care nothing about the lifestyle or the jury. I just okay. want so much money. To, so my dad didn't have to work. My dad worked three jobs my whole life. I wanted to change that. So that really was one of my main motivators. Okay. So now in Nashville, what are you doing with yourself? I own a financial advising company and it's a credit repair company called Credit Cadabra. And we also have a service where we give out free credit repair and home services for anyone that's homeless. So anyone that's homeless that might need services and get into a house, we do housing assistance for free. Wow. Outside of that, just, of course, political commentary. Yeah. My business. Yeah, and it's abundant. And I I want to read a few of your tweets, and we'll do that after this commercial break, because some of this stuff is pretty funny. Some of it's prov- definitely provocative. Uh, so we're talking to Dom Luker, and we're going to get into some of his tweets and his politics after this. Well, it's pretty honest to say you get into a business because you want to get really, really rich. And I think that's the American dream, right? Now, not everyone wants to be rich, but everyone wants to have a a retirement they can count on. I think that's a safe thing to say. And, you know, with Social Security kind of not all-encompassing, not necessarily um, something we all feel we are going to count on for our entire retirement. You've got to think about your 401k. You've got to think about your IRA, your retirement. And this is where gold and silver come into play. And the only company I trust when investing in gold and silver is Legacy Precious Metals, LegacyPMInvestments.com. Now, gold prices are rising. Investors are buying gold because it's a hedge against inflation and it protects against a weakening dollar. It does things that the stock market simply cannot do. It's a safe, long-term play. So you probably want to find out more, and I would encourage you to do it soon, because think back to 2008. Those who invested in gold saw significant gains. Others lost their retirements. So speak to an IRA expert at Legacy Precious Metals. I can't recommend that phone call enough. 866-528-1903. 866-528-1903. Or you can download their free investor's guide at LegacyPMInvestments.com, LegacyPMInvestments.com. 
You can find Dom Luker at Twitch TV backslash Dom underscore L U C R E. Featured on the New York Times 40 under 40. Founder of Credit Cadabra. Put the homeless in homes. A veteran breaker of narratives. That's how he describes himself. I love this one. You wrote a day ago. I need help. I'm filing my taxes. How do I claim Ukraine as a dependent? <laughs> so I, I'm guessing you're not a real big fan of all the money going to Ukraine. No, I haven't. I remember the video that went viral. I had this Democratic uh, canvasser that was calling me for uh, Warnock. Yeah, Raphael Warnock. And that was one of the main talking points. So I was telling him she was saying it was fascist that Republicans support Trump. And I was saying, you know, what's fascist is Ukraine getting billion dollars sent to them and it's being sent back to Hunter Biden and Joe Biden. So I've never really been a fan of that, especially when we were told we couldn't afford a wall. So, you know, I just don't get that 100 billion cent wall was around no more than 20 billion. I don't think I think it was under 20 billion, but we were able to send 100 billion to Ukraine and Trump wasn't able to get his wall. So I didn't understand that. You know, it's all a, a question of priorities, right? And what um, what looks right. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. And it's interesting, though, you as a, as a veteran, uh, this perspective on Ukraine, it, it sounds to me like your bigger concern, and correct me if I'm wrong, is how safe we are in this country and if we cannot secure that, why are we giving so much to, to other people's borders when we haven't secured our own? Do I have that about right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's exactly it. I'm, even like so much when I help with the homeless. When I was staying in Chattanooga, I stayed there prior to uh, up here in Nashville. I was a part of a group called Citizens Crusade. I was a founding member. And every second Sunday, we would go out and help the homeless camps and help restore them, put out stuff like, you know, any type of bug repellent, any type of rat killers, give them trash bags, give them type of vitamins, because you can't, by law, actually, people don't know this, but by law, you can't actually give veterans food or cook for them unless you get approval of the city. And they give you a big runaround just to serve the people, believe it or not. I but believe you it. Them vitamins and waters and things like that. And we would do that every second Sunday and restore the camps. And I just noticed how much our government wasn't actually doing the people that's actually out there helping are people like you and me it's just regular citizens regular americans that's helping but they have so much time for foreign governments and it's been that way since i was born i just never understood that you know why they don't why can't they have just one year dedicated to their own country yeah yeah i it's uh it, it's a legitimate question 
Um, you congratulated Kanye West on getting married to Bianca Sensori. That just is very recent news. And that to me would seem politically toxic because Kanye has been disowned. What, what's your view on what's gone on with him in the past six months? I think he needs medication. <laughs> yeah. I'll say, um, there's a lot of stuff he said that I feel like when conservatives agreed with him, I agreed with him. <laughs> when the GOP was posting him up, that's when I agreed with him. That's what I'll say. Okay. But it comes to a limit. It was a limit to yeah. me. Approaches everything. Mm-hmm. His heart could have meant well, but approaches everything to me. So. Do you think there's room for him to rebound? Mm. And I was a God, redemption is for anyone. So, yeah, I believe so. Well said. I wish I had the white privilege to slap Chris Rock and still be nominated for an Oscar the same night. Wait a minute. (laughs) I love that one. Because, again, you're pointing out there's this notion of white privilege. uh, And clearly, you know, it didn't come to play in that in that particular instance of Will Smith not only getting up and slapping Chris Rock, but then winning an Oscar. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm guessing that you're not a big fan of Will Smith, although I'll let you tell me. I was a big fan. I, I don't like him recently. I don't I don't even approve of that. You know, I do think you should stand up for your wife. You're in a position of respect. Mm-hmm. You had the Oscars for like God's sake. No, that's not how you carry yourself. And they always talk about being a black man. They represent black men. Well, you just represented the angry black man right now. You know, that's not good representation to me. You know. They'll say we have these stereotypes. You see, an angry black man could not control himself. So I don't really approve of that. I think he was a phenomenal actor in the past, but his last movies have all been busts. Yeah. And I got—I believe it got a lot to do with that narcissistic relationship. He can't act anymore. Hmm. But I used to be a good fan of him. I, I don't know his recent actions, no. Yeah, what well, was not to love? I mean, Fresh Prince, he was it was just uh, loved that. And it was partly because he had phenomenal comedic timing. He was mm-hmm. so likable. You know, he did the theme song, whatever. I, I, I've loved him. And he's, he was, he's been great in several movies. Yeah. Tremendously talented. But, uh, that, that may have been the death knell for him. Mm-hmm. Um, dear GOP, Trump's impeachments need to be expunged. So Trump is saying he's running again. He's put his hat in the ring. Um, We now have Biden with some documents of his own, some top secret classified documents that he has stored. So now we've got this very interesting situation. Is Trump your top choice for president? Yeah, he is. He's your top choice. Why is that? The reason being because a lot of people I see are ready to take a risk on someone else. And my thing is this. Why take a risk if we already seen a formula that worked, a proven plan that worked? But it uh, didn't work the second time for him. He couldn't he couldn't beat Biden. The second time, no, it might have not worked. But everything that he did in the first time, I wouldn't be here if he wasn't here. Think about the election in my polls. That's 70 percent of the GOP right now. Uh, people say that the media is liars and things like that. People didn't have the guts to say that till he said it first. Well, that's a very started, good point. He started everything. And I'm a very loyal person. I'm loyal to the GOP. And I can't forget what he did for us. I can't forget the way he woke us up. I can't forget the courage he gave us. I can't forget that he was a businessman, not a politician. I can't forget. It's almost like it's a relationship. As time go on, people start to forget what made them fall in love in the first place. 
And that's the relationship that the GOP has with Trump. He said first he wanted to save the children. He said first the media lied to us. He said first it's time to start investing in our country. He said first it's time to put the wall. I want to see him complete those things. Interesting. You've also said you are considering Iran. How serious are you about this? Oh, very serious, yeah. Probably they're in, they're in Nashville locally, or what, what What are you thinking? I'd be willing, if need be, I'd be willing to move to a blue state and flip it if needed, or a blue seat. I would want, I don't really want to have a, like a pointless win. Nashville is kind of real, it's liberal itself, but the GOP doesn't really need Tennessee in my eyes. We have Tennessee, and we're going to have Tennessee for a while. We need some of these blue areas. Well, you mentioned Raphael Warnock, and he, uh, to me, is, you know, that Herschel Walker race was, it was just like two not great candidates. And I guess Georgia decided the lesser of the two evils was going to win. Um, Would you ever consider going back to Georgia? I would. I would be considering to go to Georgia and run for Senate even. Yeah. I mean, there's no skeletons in my closet to expose. So I think I already matched that point. So some people would say that an, a, a loyalty to Trump is enough to get you hurt. That 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 Trump's candidates, Carrie Lake in Arizona, we could go down the list. It, Herschel Walker, that they yeah. were hurt because of that loyalty to Trump. How do you think you'd overcome that? I think it's no different than what we went through in the past. Is label is a label. It's on that person to verify to be true or not. They can say that till they hear me speak. That's a great point. What would your message be? What is your message? What What do you want America to look like? Different. Just that. Different. It shouldn't be the same way it was when I was born. I'm 28. It shouldn't be that way when I'm 58. I think it's time to change it. And so if you had a magic wand and you could change... One thing, the first thing you would want to change about America, it would be what? Mental health awareness. Mental health awareness. That that is a that is a something that's for some reason people are willing to overlook. I think it's behind a lot of the crime statistics we see. We we we've got to know that about New York and and we've got to know that about Northern California and San Francisco. You've got a, a lot of this it's very obvious to identify why do you think it's been ignored it's been ignored because it's one of the hardest thing one of the hardest battles to fight is ourself so for anyone to address that mental health awareness is a problem that would kind of force them to take their own into accountability it's not really that easy to fight your own battles yeah so it's easier to just fight someone else's you know so mental health awareness it kind of forces everyone to look with them some so that would can. be the first thing. Okay, let's round out your top three. What would be the next thing? I'd say the second would be criminal reform. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's time for criminal reform on both parties, in my opinion. Some of the things just don't make sense. Some of the things are outdated and old, just like how there's one specific type of police officer for every scenario. There's other countries that implemented a domestic violence police officer to handle domestic violence cases. A police officer that has to deal with bank shootouts, I don't think he necessarily should have to deal with a domestic violence case two days later. That's interesting. Criminal reform would definitely be one. 
But so where did you stand when people were saying after the George Floyd incident, (laughs) defund the police? No, I'm not. for. I'm thinking about like increasing the funds of the police. That way you can create more departments that are appropriate, not defund, but fund that way they can do their job appropriately. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I, I was on a podcast uh, about six, eight months ago where they attested to me that the police were originally created to be nothing more than slave catchers. And that is the root of the police ideology and mental approach to policing. I I don't buy that. Do you? They, they say the capturing. They said that the police in America were originally designed to capture slaves, that that was the only role of police or that that's what it was born of. That's just so ignorant to even say that to me. Yeah, there was an actual badge that showed slave catcher Mm -hmm. and a badge is the same as a sheriff badge. That's where that came from. And yeah, a slave catcher was a person of authority. It was an actual job. So that's just anywhere in the world. Mm -hmm. You go to Libya, uh, Libya, you can see the same thing. That's a place of authority. That's a government position. So, of course, it's going to have a badge, but it's a part of a department. Police exist in every single, you know, uh, realm of existence. Yeah, that was not the uh, origination of police. It started yeah. from having to detain criminals. You know, it, it's it's interesting to me, Dom, how many people, particularly on the left, believe that uh, America is so problematic, and that America is uniquely problematic and uniquely racist and uniquely evil. And yet these issues that they're talking about still exist. There is slavery in in China. We could go on. There is there is evil that still exists, has existed for all time and still exists in other parts of the world. And yet this hatred toward America is so thick, so deep. Why do you th- why? Because division is more profitable than peace. Mm-hmm. Peace is not profitable. It's just not. I mean, do people, let's say, which is more entertaining, a, a puppy got saved or a maniac set a puppy on fire? Yes, ladder, the latter is horrible, but we both know which one's going to get more clicks. We both know which one's going to get more attention. We both know which one's going to get viral. We both know which one's going to start a debate. Is it debatable? Yes, it's profitable. And division is debatable. And therefore profitable. Last question for you, Dom. You are so interesting to me. <laughs> you are. You're. You're unique. But I. What I. What I'm finding that I like maybe the most about you in our brief introduction here is your courage. Like you, you are not afraid to go against the grain. You are not afraid to speak your mind. And heck, you've been expelled from one industry, hip hop. So your your courage is sky high. And I'm wondering where you come by that. I don't know. Maybe my nature. I'm not too big on Zodiacs. I'm an Aries. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I like red, of course. <laughs> I don't know where that comes from. I think it really comes from my mom. My mom died in 2009. She I'm had sorry. MS. Oh, thank you. Uh, she had multiple sclerosis, scleroderma, and a couple other things. Mm-hmm. But ever since I was born, we were pushing her in wheelchairs, having to help her and assist her. And she was just so strong. I remember when I first was born, um, growing up, 
My mom used to work at National at an airport in Augusta. She was for a manager at the car rental. And she worked so hard, worked so hard. And I remember when her body was given out on her that they forced her to have to leave. And I just remember her strength then. And I remember at that point, my mom was um, like switched over to the paper route when her body got weaker. So then we started doing paper route. And then when her body got weaker, she started doing recycling. And when her body got weaker, she started doing taxes. So until the end, you know, she was resilient. And my dad, like I said, he worked at the church as a custodian and he was a building ground supervisor at a school. And on weekends, he did his lawn care business. So I come from a background of very hard work and seeing that results only come from action, no matter the circumstance. That is a message a lot of people in America need to hear right now, because uh, in this time where people seem to thrive being the victim and pointing at everyone else for their problems, your mom, your dad are both great examples, as are you, of people who put that stuff aside and say, I'm responsible for myself. I have my own agency here. I I can do whatever I want. And as you said, you don't think being black has held you back. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm going to keep up with you, Dom. I've benefited from being black. How so? Look at my brand now. It's more interesting when a black person said these things for these conservatism. It's just true. All right. So what if someone says to you, oh, then the only reason you're saying this stuff is to get to get clicks, to get attention. I'm too intelligent for that. People can see that my content is more than clickbait. I'm educating. Now, it takes it takes real passion to educate. Clickbait is easy. I have a mission. It's easy to see that if people read my content. Yeah, that th- th- there's no question about that. And so, again, I would encourage people to follow you. Um, D-O- so it's at D-O-M, Dom, underscore L-U-C-R-E, Lucre. And uh, I'd suggest people follow you because it, it, you are. You clearly are thoughtful and well-read and well, you know, your background shows that you're, you're not just throwing stuff against the wall and seeing what sticks, that you have conviction and that you have standards. And um, I, I like you, Dom. I, I'm so glad I got to talk to you, and I hope we can do it again. Likewise. And I, I, me too. It really is a pleasure. I'm, and thank you for the opportunity. Yeah, and I love your brand, of course. Always been a fan. Thank you for that, and uh, and now we're fans of Dom Luker, and we're going to watch yeah. his every move because this guy's interesting, and I have a feeling he's going places. That's such an honor. That's oh, Dom Luker, everyone! Thanks for tuning into Sideline Sanity, and as always, be brave and do good. We'll see you next time. Always a good day when Charles Thorngren of Legacy Precious Metals can join us and answer some really different questions. And I thought of a few new ones for you, Charles, if that's okay. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm fascinated and we hear so much about gold and silver and, and precious metals. So if I could just ask this broad question, what is the role of gold mm. in a portfolio? Great question. And when we look at that, and the answer to that is, has a couple of different features to it. It depends on the individual, but its main purpose is the insurance policy for your finances. It is meant to be the foundation by which you do all other things, right? We know that gold and silver um, have an inverse relationship to the dollar. Um, it protects your purchasing power. 
So when we invest, that's what we're saying. We want to make sure that we have the ability to manage our money and have our money do what we need it to do for us. It's not the collection of dollars for dollar's sake, but for what it does for us, how we pay our bills, how we retire, how we feed our family, how we uh, go on and bless others and, and donate to causes we believe in. That's what money does for us. It's not the dollar itself. It's the thing it provides for us. And what gold does is make sure that that money continues to have purchasing value. Because there are times we find that, hey, my money doesn't have the same purchasing value it had last month. Absolutely. And this is a unique time. We're seeing it. This term called hyperinflation, which usually refers to, you know, inflation in the 18s and 20 percent. I consider this a time of hyperinflation because it's so much more than what we're normally used to, right? When we prepare and we budget and we say, this is the course of my life and this is how I'm going to do things, this is where I'm going to put my money, we use some basic numbers, 2 to 3% inflation. That's what the Fed says is good. But that's not even great. Over a lifetime, that's a lot of inflationary loss to your dollar. But when you have a period where it jumps to the points where we're at now, and we're in the eight and a half, nine is going to be into the double digits soon. In this short a time frame, that's a hyperinflation situation to me because it throws everything off dynamically and so, so radically. You do, you do see us going into double digits, huh? Absolutely. Uh, the Fed even sees us going into double digits. You know, there was a, an interesting report where one of the, the Fed chairmen were saying, 2023, we're not going to talk about that. But in 2024, by summer, we may be able to start to drop the interest rates. When someone tells me they're in charge of something, but they say this new year that's coming, just forget about that completely. We're not even going to talk about that. That's a bad sign. <laughs> they don't want you to think about it. Exactly. They, don't, they want you to look past it and sort of ride it write out. it off and... right now. Just don't even think yeah. about it. It's going to be bad. But hey, 2024, though, you know. And interestingly enough, right around the time of an election, they want to start talking about what they're going to do. Isn't that fascinating? That timing is just really interesting. Before I we finish up here, I, I'm always fascinated with how gold is priced. How, how do we get a price of gold? You know, the spot price of gold is really determined by the world market. The London Bullion Exchange, right? And this has been for hundreds of years now. Um sets a price and the rest of the world revolves around that. Now our currency will determine how much more than it is in the pounds and things like that. And there's a calculation for it, but that's one of the great things about gold and silver. Their value is recognized around the world, no matter what currency, what country you're in, it has value. Uh, I just recently come back from a trip where I was overseas not that long ago. And I bring gold with me everywhere I go. Um, not a lot, so don't try to catch me in the airport. Um, <laughs> but I have something that is valuable no matter where I'm at. I can go anywhere in any country and turn that into its currency in no time at all. You're talking about carrying around physical gold? Absolutely. Really? Absolutely. Do you, do you, do you walk around with dollars? How much is safe to carry around if you're – well – no, you're right. Uh, so if and and that gold is going to have the same uh, value across the board, no matter no matter where I go, slight right? Because very slight deviations, yeah. but it's not very large. Okay. You know, usually less than one yeah. percent. 
difference in the price. This is really interesting. I, I can't let you go before I ask you this because I'm picturing you now walking around with some <laughs> you know, gold coins in your pocket. I'm thinking, wow, that would feel risky. But when you go into another country, for instance, with some gold, how easy is it for you to go say, here, I want to exchange this for, or, you know, I'm assuming you're not going to a restaurant and slapping down a gold no. bullion or something. No. But you could overseas. In certain places of the world, they recognize that just like regular currency. Wow. But I wouldn't use but, gold. But it's dinner. easy to ch exchange once you get to another country? Yeah. Just very easy. Most of the time you can do it at the airport. Same places where they change currency. A lot of them will change uh, metals too. And is physical bullion the, the, the best way to go? It is. It really is. When you're traveling or always in any investment in gold? Uh, you know, there's certain things you can do outside of just bullion that may make sense once you've laid a portfolio down, right? Um, diversity in metals is important too. But your basis for all investments should be your basic bullion, whether it's gold or silver. You want to have that foundation set in the base metal itself, giving you the most value that you can get. And obviously every person's situation is unique. So why not just call and speak to an IRA expert at Legacy Precious Metals, 866-528-1903, 866-528-1903, or they can always download your free investor's guide, right? It's true. at LegacyPMInvestments.com, LegacyPMInvestments.com. Do you have any gold on you right now? I do. Give me half a second. I got to see this. I just want to see. I mean, I, it's, it seems like almost like in the old days when you walk around with that, you know, Mr. Scrooge and his gold coins in his pocket. Not that you're, can you sort of turn it around and show us that? That's now for our listeners, they're not going to be able to, to, just to see what we're seeing, but you've got a little container and they're just, they're kind of the size of half dollars, right? Yeah. Would just about a half dollar. And this or? is, this is the American gold Eagle. And this is a, uh, $22,000 worth of metal. Yikes. Charles isn't messing around <laughs> and neither are we, but please go get your questions answered. This is such an important time to be thinking about your money, your long-term play in addition to every short-term concern that you have. Charles, always good to talk to you. Thank you so My much. My pleasure. And you know what? 2023 is coming. Call now, find out <laughs> so you can make your decisions for, before then. Yes. And before the elections again, yes. and they can, tell us what they're going to tell us then they're, they're telling you to overlook 2023 that means you now's the time to inquire Absolutely. again legacypminvestments.com charles thorngren always good to see you thank you three-star general michael j flynn head of the pentagon intelligence agency knew all the government's dirty secrets he was one of the most respected generals in the military flynn knew what the intel world had been up to he understood its funding he ordered the first audit of the use of contractors this set off alarm bells the explosive new documentary flynn deliver the truth whatever the cost and covers the facts behind this scandal flynn told the truth he was the most dangerous person for donald trump to hire i find out the worst enemy that i'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.